0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Do you wish for a more fulfilling, erotic, and sexual life? The journey begins here. This is The Sexual Voice with your host, Jessica Ford. As a relationship psychotherapist working with individuals and couples for decades, Jessica knows how to create and support meaningful relationships. Along with her guests, Jessica expands the lens of sex therapy, connecting you with a more satisfying and healthier sexual self. Now, here is Jessica Ford.
2: Hello, and welcome to The Sexual Voice on this very crisp fall day here in Wisconsin. Today's episode is looking at what can be learned from BDSM on consensual sex. We're going to be exploring consensual sex, how it's defined, what it means, when it's violated. And there is one area of sexual activity where Contractual consent is mandatory, and this is in the world of BDSM and kink. For those with a BDSM orientation, safe practice protocols are an intricate part of sexual activity. We will discuss how their sexual voice is listened to, heard, and realize that this is not always the case for those with other orientations. And it may seem a bit unusual to my listeners uh, listening today, my use of BDSM as a basis for understanding consent. BDSM is often seen as this weird or extreme expression of sexuality. The reality is there is a wide variation of BDSM, playful kink to more aggressive slave master behaviors. But please keep in mind my focus today is not on the behaviors or certainly judgment of any of the activities within BDSM but as just acknowledging how these behaviors are consensually agreed upon because in real life BDSM contracts are consensually agreed to by both parties a contract is used as a forum to discuss any concerns before entering into a BDSM scene or relationship in fact, any sort of force or coercion when it comes to a BDSM contract is a significant red flag. And obviously, needs to. this kind of contract needs to be avoided. These agreed-upon contracts exist for all participants of BDSM. So today, our guest is Dr. Neil Cannon. He is an ASAC certified sex therapist and supervisor in the Cherry Creek District of Denver, Colorado. His PhD is in human sexuality, and he works with individuals and couples from a variety of orientations. The LGBTQ, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer community, the BDSM, bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadism and masochism, and heterosexuals, basically this guy and gal thing. He consults and provides services on any number of matters related to sex, intimacy, and relationships. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a professor of Marriage and Family Therapy at the Denver Family Institute, as well as the University of Michigan's Sexual Health Certification Program. So just as a note, this interview with Dr. Cannon was pre-recorded in August since he was not able to speak live on today's episode. So I want to welcome and thank you, Neil, for taking the time to record this interview today. Oh, thanks for
3: having me. I'm really glad to be with you and I want to acknowledge too. I really love the way you talked about BDSM and identified it as an orientation because that's so true for so many people. So I, I, I just think that um, I'm glad to hear you language it that way.
2: Well, thank you, uh, Charles Moser um, clarified that <laughs> last year when I heard him at a conference and. Uh, in Chicago, Wolf for Star. And also, I was really fortunate also to have Meg John Barker on uh, as my guest uh, last Friday. So, uh, it, it is an orientation and I, I am intrigued by it. And I think there's so much we can learn from all the orientations. So, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I, I think one of the, the nice things that uh, Meg John Barker talked about was fluidity. Mm. and uh, this is an interesting time, and we even referred to the possibility of relationship revolution, which I thought was really kind of got me excited. Mm -hmm. So my question for you today is, how do sexual needs get expressed and heard in the BDSM community? And take your time, because this is, I think, a really important
3: Question. Well, everything starts with communication and negotiation. And one of the things that I observe in my those straight heterosexual couples you referenced versus my BDSM couples is that as a group, by and large, my BDSM couples are much better communicators than my average everyday vanilla couple. And I think that part of that comes from the fact that they're trained and cultured to not take things for granted, to be very explicit in their communication, to look for hidden meanings and agendas and really flush things out, be curious, ask lots of questions, and then to negotiate either the the nature of the relationship or the specific scene. And I think if somebody were to a vanilla person that is not accustomed to the BDSM subculture were to watch a BDSM scene, that some would be erotic and some would be startling. But what they don't recognize just watching is that there was a very um, detailed and structured negotiation that took place before the scene there was consent given and there were safe words and then there's negotiate there's um, after play and aftercare um, and nurturing afterwards so it's not just what you see that occurs during that 30 or 60 minutes or whatever it is but it's all the stuff that goes on uh, between the couple or people that are playing then
2: Can we break it down a bit? Mm -hmm. Just looking at this idea of negotiating. Maybe, what are they negotiating?
3: Well, they could be negotiating. um, First thing they're going to negotiate actually is going to be a safe word. (laughs) So if I say red, that means the scene stops right at this moment. If I say yellow, that means, hey, it's getting a little bit uh, too intense here. We need to back off and talk. And if I say green, that means, oh, I really like that. So they're going to start with something like that. And then they're going to negotiate who wants to do what. And, it, you know, you, you mentioned the six words and they're all, any of those could be part of the negotiation. It could be about dominance and submission. It could be about bondage. It could be about sensation, play, or pain. It could be erotic humiliation. Um, it could be any of the things that make up mm-hmm. uh, the world of BDSM. Mm-hmm.
2: One of the things that uh, Charles Moser talked about was that these individuals, and this is what he really felt defined it as an orientation, is that they really saw that that's who they were. Mm-hmm. They believed that this was their path. and and like the be you know being able to um, you know, to to have this identity and to feel good about it um and in therapy i see a lot of couples that come in and i'm going to use this word as they've explored non-monogamy they've branched into aspects of bdsm so and that sometimes becomes a stumble you know stumbling block there's curiosity which we often really encourage in couples that we see and i'm and to be curious, but then there's some kind of discord that occurs with a couple because one is really caught up in their interest in BDSM and the other one has explored it with them and is now ready to not do it anymore. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about that and maybe a little bit and and how does that get negotiated?
3: Yeah, and so that's, You know, having a couple when when BDSM clients come into my office, what you described is the most common presenting concern, which would be one partner really wants it, one partner maybe not so much. Um, So, part of what we want to do, I think that I have found to be the most effective, typically, is that we will help build a lot of empathy for each other in the room both for the person who doesn't wanna play and for the person who does, so that their hearts are talking and listening to each other. And then the negotiation piece, then I try to help my couples find what they can agree on versus what they can't and start with the things that they can agree on. Um, You know, when it's, as you said, it's an orientation for some people and orientations don't go away. If somebody's gay, they're gay, if somebody's into BDSM as a sub or a dom or whatever it is, that's not gonna probably likely change. So trying to help that person get their needs met is really important while also honoring the partner that isn't so interested. Um, I always think about it like a mother tongue I, I don't know. I've probably counseled I don't I don't know three hundred BDSM clients. It's hundreds. It's not ten. And um, the one common thread is that for most, they'll they could, when I'm taking their sex history and trying to learn about them. Almost always, their first fantasies, desires, arousal around BDSM goes back to childhood. Um. There's certainly some people that it comes on later, but usually it's like it's been with them and they just have always known.
2: And what would have been their early thoughts that, uh, you know, that they describe?
3: Oh, it's the little boy or the little girl who played cowboys and Indians at six and would intentionally lose so that he or she would get tied up.
2: Okay. I guess that's a pretty clear indication of something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay. Any anything else come to mind?
3: I mean, it's along those themes. Okay. Um, you know, it's people who, and it depends a little bit on their their age, or, you know, mm-hmm. because the younger people have more access to these kinds of things than older people. There's just a lot more information and in media and such. And so um, I think the fantasies today are still along those lines. But they also seem to be, from younger people, a little more sophisticated too.
2: So looking again at this perspective of, you know, and it may may come down to the category of BDSM that I would fall in if I needed to express my sexual need. So, if, you know, if it's sadomasochism, you know, but is it possible for an individual to span all of BDSM? Or do you, they usually have one specific area that they may be in? And I'm sorry, I'm trying to, to articulate this question in a way that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> t- I think... I think I'll, I think one of I think what you're asking maybe gets partly answered by this, which is that's one of the reasons that we often use the term kinky, mm-hmm. and because kinky is kind of the umbrella for BDSM and all those kinds of things. Uh, BDSM falls within the kinky umbrella, and so it would. There are certain people. That we would, a spanko, for instance, is a person who likes to either spank or be spanked, and that's a Uh, uh, BDSM cultural term And they're called spankos And so that person really is very possible that A spanko may just be a spanko as a spanko Um, But it doesn't mean There aren't spankos that also Like to play with dominance and submission Maybe with bondage Maybe role play So it really could be any of those things um, Or just one thing
2: So, you could have some fluidity within that domain. Uh huh. Okay. Um, Are there any cases that seem to come up for you that you think might add a little kind of contextual piece to what we're talking about?
3: Well, you know, when I think about the, uh, the most common thing that shows up in my office, I think about. Um, couples where there's a gap in who wants what. So I'm thinking of a couple right now where um, she identified as a submissive. It was a heterosexual couple. And um, she she really viewed this as her... Being submissive was her her mother tongue. It was... um, Really the way her it was her orientation, and her partner male partner didn't feel the same way. it was really hard for him to um, want to play in the way she wanted to be dominated and so um, we just we started with lots of work around empathy, so they really had a deep understanding of what all this meant to each of them and I'll never forget because when we we're really going down deep for her and she's got tears running down her face and she said um, being submissive waters my soul and and I grow as a human I grow as a woman and I grow as a submissive and I grow as a wife and um, without it I feel like I'm withering up and I'll just never forget that, her analogy that it's like water, BDSM was like water to her. And she she cried and he cried and it really helped create shift.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we think of water as that kind of almost nutrient, you know, yes. that we need, you know, it, it helps us flourish, right? Yeah. And that kind of cultivation. Yes, I I, I have had clients as well who the woman has a pretty significant profession um, and she is very strong in what she does in in the kind of public world. But when it comes down to being able to really, I'm going to say, feel... Something about her spirit, when she wa- goes to bed, she's looking for this person, her partner, to take control. Mm-hmm. And it, sometimes they, a lot of the couples that I see don't want to use the word BDSM. They don't want to use the word kink. Because then that seems weird, you know, they're going to be an odd. So, but yet what they're describing is BDSM. Mm-hmm. So any thoughts or suggestions for those people? And as you're aware, my, the show has been about f- people finding their voice and to be able to get past that place where they feel inhibited.
3: Well, community, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, community yeah. is really important um, because it helps people to be able to normalize their experience, see that they're not alone, realize they're not crazy, um you know, just <laughs> there's, a, there's a wonderful, um, you know, the, the Facebook of BDSM and kink is called FetLife, FetLife.com, F-E-T-L-I-F-E. And mm-hmm. FetLife has millions of members and so and, and hundreds or thousands of groups of everything having to do with kink and BDSM. So, just by knowing that there's millions of members, we know that there's great interest in this. There's lots of participation. And that's a great place for people to just start to find community.
2: Well, I have to tell you, Neil, in preparation for the show and some of the background and research, I went on their website, and here in southeast Wisconsin, they're not taking any more members. (laughs) I found that intriguing.
3: Yeah, Uh, and so I've heard that same thing, and I believe that I have heard that they have either turned it back on or that you can join if you just have some kind of recommendation. I'm not really sure, but I think it's continually evolving.
2: Okay. No, I found that interesting that there were so many that uh, when you talk about it is. Uh, there is uh, millions of people who, who, yeah. who explore this. And so, but yet, you know, again, the idea is we all feel so isolated and limited. And so, even what we see on television or in movies make it look strange, right? Right. But it's so not. It's so not. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything you would like to leave the listeners with?
3: Well, I think about BDSM, I think about it as part of our erotic template. And erotic templates I think about as fingerprints. It's what turns us on, it's what turns us off. We each have fingerprints. There's not one that's better than another. They're just all different. And BDSM is just another erotic template. So if that's what turns you on, it turns you on. Enjoy it.
2: Okay. Well I, I want to thank you for for taking the time today and uh, do this recording and as I said this is going to be airing on the 14th of October seems a far away far far and away but mm-hmm. uh, it is coming very quickly so thanks Neil and uh, I'm hope to to hear and meet you so
3: have a good you're day you're most welcome thanks for having me bye bye
2: bye bye <laughs> Okay. I think we're going to take a bit break, a bit, a bit of a break right now. And uh, just to add, if you're interested in uh, what Dr. Neil Cannon has had to say or more information about uh, Neil, please go to his website, www or triple w, dot com. So take us away. We're going to take a break and uh, we'll be right back.
1: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Are you experiencing a sexual concern or issue that you would like to discuss? Jessica Ford is available for a brief consultation to help. For a nominal fee charged to your credit card, you can experience a 30-minute one-on-one confidential phone consultation with Jessica on your sexual situation or challenges you are experiencing. To schedule your personal consult with Jessica, email thesexualvoice at jafordgroup.com or contact her through her website, jafordgroup.com. Remember to provide your contact information. Jessica is here to help you. Are you available to travel to Jessica's office between Milwaukee and Chicago? When the need arises, some issues or situations require more than a brief consultation. Consider an office visit with Jessica and schedule a one-time intensive therapy session of two hours or a half or full day. Follow-up sessions can be discussed and arranged. To find out more and book an appointment, visit jafordgroup.com. Or call 262-726-4722. Credit card payments accepted at time of service. Out-of-network insurance reimbursement is possible, but not guaranteed.
1: You are listening to The Sexual Voice with Jessica Ford. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's one 866 472 You may also send an email to the sexual Voice at jafordgroup.com. Now, back to The Sexual Voice.
2: Hello and welcome back. I want to say there was another guest that was going to be on the show today, Dr. Russell Stambaugh, and he was in Portugal at the moment, and hopefully he had, the intent was he was going to find a secure internet connection and join us, but uh, that did not happen. So, uh, you're going to have me for the remaining portion of the show, and uh, we'll see where that takes me. Um I'm going to ask if over the next 35 minutes or so, if you have anything that you want to share or contribute, you can email me at thesexualvoice at thejafordgroup.com. And again, thesexualvoice at jafordgroup.com. So to get started, um, in light of the news of the past week, this episode's timing seems amazing since it was planned out in June. Even more to the point, last uh, Friday's show looked at sexual abuse and trauma. So the last two shows, uh, this one and last one, uh, certainly came at a time when it's been so newsworthy. Consent is a topic we banter about every time a celebrity, athlete, politician, teacher, priest, or really anyone who gets caught with his hand, mouth or penis on someone without consent. I don't wanna be clear in this discussion. These breaches of consent are not limited to men against women. It happens between individuals of the same sex and notably and tragically women who take advantage of those in their care as they may touch a student or a foster child sexually. The phrase getting caught is a part of the issue. At some point, they always get caught. At some point in the victimized person's life, they disclose the tragic event that happened. The horrible truth surfaces and these non-consensual acts get revealed. What keeps people from disclosing is fear, guilt, shame, And often, this guilt and shame, they have no reason to feel, but they do, because it's a sense of responsibility. Could they have handled it differently, or should they have not been there? But the issue of fear kind of stands out the most. At times, it's fear of no one believing them, as they're aware, in many cases, those who disclose are not believed, especially when the person committing the act had power or privilege. In all these cases, someone's voice and actions were loud, more aggressive, and silenced the sexual voice of the other through fear, intimidation, and quite often the sheer shock that it happened. People use the words, I was left breathless. I didn't know what to do. These tragic events are not new or unique to America the list in America is quite long. This is a global tragedy. Sex trafficking, use of child porn, and so much more occur daily. Canada's most recent sex uh, scandal with a very popular award-winning ex-journalist for CBC, John Gumashi, was charged with non- consensual, sadistic behavior a year ago. The World World Health Organization's position on sexual rights states, there is a growing consensus that sexual health cannot be achieved and maintained without respect for and protection of certain human rights. The working definition of sexual rights is a contribution to the continuing dialogue on human rights related to sexual health. And that definition is the fulfillment of sexual health is tied to the extent to which human rights are respected, protected, and fulfilled. Sexual rights embrace certain human rights that are already recognized by international, regional, other consensus documents and certainly national laws the rights to the critical to the realization of sexual health include and i'm just going to name a few the right to be free from degrading treatment the right to privacy right to freedom of opinion and expression the right to an effective remedy for violations of fundamental rights. And in conclusion with that, it's the sexual rights protect all people's rights to fulfill and express their sexuality, to enjoy sexual health with due regard for the rights of others. And I think that term rights of others is worth mentioning again. And over the course of the last 12 weeks of the sexual voice, we have explored sex as a basic need. And we've learned it is as it applies to our need to touch and be touched. It promotes health and well-being. The underlying premise is this sexual touch is consensual between willing participants without duress or fear while the sex education I received growing up was at times a bit conflictual, one statement my father shared with me in my teens stands out. Everything between consenting individuals is okay. So this idea of sexual consent is not new. And like in the earlier segment of today's show around BDSM, It is practiced, just not in our more mainstream lives. Years ago, when I was on a transatlantic flight, my rights were denied. I did not have the right to say yes, or there was no consensual agreement between myself and the gentleman sitting next to me in business class. I never could figure out what gave this person the right to think it was okay to reach his hand under my blanket and grab my breast. Thought, was it because I spoke to him in a nice way? I was kind or I looked pleasant or maybe I was just looking too attractive that day. Who knows? But none of those Gave him the right to do what he did. There was no asking, are you up to play around? There was no communication. He just did it because he felt entitled. In committed relationships, you ask is consent required for touching? Or is it simply implied because we're together? And while it is rarely asked, consent is always required, because it's about trust and respect. If we are playing around and you grab me in a way that is uncomfortable or painful, and I ask you to stop and you continue without my consent, this is disrespectful. This breaches our trust if you touch me in public in ways that I don't like and you keep doing it, this is not about respect or trust. And I often hear this in my office. He grabs me. I'm doing dishes and he thinks he has the right to come up and grab me. But it startles me and sometimes I find it alarming and I recognize he's being playful. But for me, It makes me feel uncomfortable. Or for the one client whose husband enjoyed putting his hand on the couch as she would come and sit down next to him, but the hand on the couch was so he could grab her genitals and would laugh. And unfortunately, he would do this in front of others, thinking it was quite comical. It was not. It was disturbing and distressing for her. Many of you may have heard of this tea analogy, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically, if you say, hey, I would like a cup of tea, and mmm, and ah, and someone says, I'm really not sure, and then you make them a cup of tea, or not, but they may choose not to drink it. And if they don't drink it, this is the important piece, don't make them drink it. You can't blame them for you going through the effort of making the tea on the off chance they wanted it. You just have to deal with them not drinking it. Just because you made it doesn't mean you're entitled to watch them drink it. If they say, no thank you, then don't make them drink A cup of tea, not any tea. Don't make them tea. Don't make them drink tea. Don't get annoyed at them for not wanting tea. They just don't want tea. If they might say, yes, please, that's kind of you. I would like a cup of tea. Then when the tea arrives, they actually don't want the tea at all. And sure, that's kind of annoying as you've gone to the effort of making the tea. But they remain under no obligation to drink the tea. They did want tea, now they don't. Sometimes people change their mind in the time that it takes to boil that kettle, brew the tea and add the milk. And it's okay for people to change their mind. And you are not entitled to watch them drink even though you went through the trouble of making it now if they are unconscious don't make them drink tea unconscious people don't want tea and can't answer the question do you want tea because they're unconscious okay maybe they were unconscious when you asked them they if they wanted tea, and they said yes, but in the time it took to boil, the kettle, brew the tea, and add the milk, they're now unconscious. You should just put the tea down and make sure the unconscious person is safe. This is an important piece. Don't make them drink tea. If someone said yes to tea around your house last Saturday, that doesn't mean they want you to make them tea all the time. They don't want you to come around unexpectedly to their place and make them tea and force them to drink it if going through but only you wanted tea last week or to wake up finding that you're pouring tea down their throat as if but you wanted tea last night. So this is just the idea here that... We can't assume, nor should we, what people want. And they have the right. So whether it's tea or sex, consent is everything. So at this moment, we're going to take another break. And then we're going to be right back and continuing to this discussion around consent.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you available to travel to Jessica's office between Milwaukee and Chicago? When the need arises, some issues or situations require more than a brief consultation. Consider an office visit with Jessica and schedule a one-time intensive therapy session of two hours or a half or full day. Follow-up sessions can be discussed and arranged. To find out more and book an appointment, visit jafordgroup.com or call 262-726-4722. Credit card payments accepted at time of service. Out-of-network insurance reimbursement is possible, but not guaranteed. Are you experiencing a sexual concern or issue that you would like to discuss? Jessica Ford is available for a brief consultation to help. For a nominal fee charged to your credit card, you can experience a 30-minute one-on-one confidential phone consultation with Jessica on your sexual situation or challenges you are experiencing. To schedule your personal consult with Jessica, email thesexualvoice at jafordgroup.com or contact her through her website, jafordgroup.com. Remember to provide your contact information. Jessica is here to help you.
1: You are listening to The Sexual Voice with Jessica Ford. To reach our show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to The Sexual Voice at jafordgroup.com. Now, back to The Sexual Voice.
2: Hello, welcome back. And I'm going to try to avoid getting on a the soapbox. And that was an interesting expression uh, that people used to use when they strongly wanted to voice their opinion about uh, many things. And I'm just reading an email from someone that uh they were talking about uh, this, the analogy that I just read. And it's, this is a tricky, this one is so tricky. If I order tea and then after a sip, I change my mind, I may feel that I must drink the tea to be polite, polite and not be a bitch. And she's saying it's important to encourage the idea of continued consent, Throughout the interaction, and that I think is is the point that uh, at what point can someone decide that. They think it's okay to move forward when someone has, and I think Neil was talking about it, it's about negotiation. It's about that right to be able to say, we've gone far enough. Or if uh, we want to use a safe word from BDSM, sometimes we say, red, this is enough. I don't want to go any further. And having that respected, I think there's a lot of words that come up in my mind around this topic of consent, and I've already shared some of them. It's about respect, it's about trust, And uh, but as I'm looking at going forward with this discussion uh, today, I guess what I'm personally struggling with about what's happened over the last week and... Certainly, what's been happening ongoing, as I said, this has occurred for decades. So, what I'm struggling with is why does any of this seem surprising? And is it because Trump is a presidential candidate? Or I guess I keep asking myself, how can we be shocked that when someone posts a sexual abuse disclosure and receives thousands of responses from others who have experienced similar kinds of um, situations, how does it become national news? Last week on the, this, on the show, I talked about sex abuse occurring with such alarming frequency Children under the age of 18, every eight minutes, are sexually abused. Sexual abuse and assault occurs occurs all the time, everywhere, without consent. We go through this year after year, decade after decades. These tragic stories ride the news cycle until someone else comes into view and takes the news elsewhere. I ask how many Anita Hills do we have to witness? And you remember the story about Anita Hill and the horrible, appalling hearings that she went through around Clarence Thomas. I watched it all and I was appalled and I felt powerless. And while things have changed slightly as more women have gained political power it's clearly not enough because as we saw with Anita Hill's hearings there was all men asking her in the most degrading way repeated questions about her what she, who she was and what role she played or how she misconstrued i go back and I think about all those people who have fought for our right to be, for freedom, political freedom, freedom freedom for, to express ourselves. I think about the Susan B. Anthony's who fought for women's rights to vote. And I guess I'm wondering: Is it time to stand up and fight for our sexual rights, for consent, which I consider our Basic human right, our basic human sexual right, as we I read earlier from the World Health Organization, the sexual right to protect all people's rights to fulfill and express their sexuality and enjoy sexual health with due regard for the rights of others. So the other disturbing piece with this Trump issue was the fact that it seemed okay that someone of his status had the right or the entitlement or the privilege to touch, to do whatever he wanted because that's what women liked or women could accept it because he was a celebrity. Just his fame was enough to let women engage or stand back and let it happen. But we know that isn't the case. None of these women asked for it. None of these women wanted it. It just happened to them. As I said, the shocking experience of having someone grab you or kiss you or touch you in a way that leaves you feeling uncomfortable most inappropriately uncomfortable. Michelle Obama mentioned in a speech she was giving that is also about how we're talked to, the disrespect that we hear or even the disrespect in this latest campaign of how we see or how people see Hillary Clinton with the comments that I've seen online or the actual t-shirts that people might be wearing, calling her a cunt. She's a cunt, vote for Trump. This is more than appalling. This is a tragedy. When he's saying make America great again, we are great. America has always been great. But we need to learn to find a better way to respect and trust one another. And we're not doing that. When I think about my rights, I feel I have the right to say no or change my mind without being demeaned as cold, frigid, or a bitch. If I say yes, I want to say yes and not be considered a whore. Or if I say yes today, I have the right to say no tomorrow. And all of these are just my right coming from my sexual voice at any given moment in time. And that is the intent of the show. To help you understand you have a right to your sexual voice. So please consider what I'm saying. Consent is a right, and with all rights, it requires responsibility. Be responsible and require respect from all others by knowing and respecting yourself. Healthy sex begins with you, as I've said. Healthy sex begins with you, and speaking up takes courage and bravery. And I'm asking all of you to consider that it's time to be brave. We need to use the word no. We need to realize that we have the right to say no, or yes, or maybe, without that being Judged or reflect upon in any negative way. So, looking at the fact that this is my 12th show, and I have one more show left, and that show is coming up next Friday. It's asking the question, where is he when he's not into me or in me anymore? And I have, as with all of my shows, extraordinary guests. I have Dr. Joe Court and Dr. Emily Nagowski. Joe is a psychotherapist, coach, and author. He is in practice in Michigan since 1985 his specialties include gay affirmation psychotherapy emphasizing how knowledgeable about gay issues and how it informs the therapeutic process he specializes in sex therapy and sexual identity issues he's in the midst of releasing a sem- a webinar uh, to help women, uh, how you know, understand the in in heterosexual relationships, understand and address their male partners' sexual desires and fantasies, and that's going to be coming up, I know, in November. Emily Nagowski is the New York Times bestselling author of "Come As You Are: The Surprising New Science That Will Transform Your Sexual Life," and she's focusing on the sexual relationship in, in uh, couples. So uh, it's, again, how this applies with uh, communication and looking at uh, her mission, which is to teach women to live with confidence and joy in their bodies. We will certainly be talking about consent throughout uh, that discussion as well. I want to say at this point I have over 6,000 listeners who have listened live or on demand. And Voice America feels that this has been impressive and are excited about what I've done. They'd like to have me move into a second series or season. And I'm looking for sponsors or advertisers who would be willing to join me on the next leg of this journey. And if anyone is interested in sponsoring the show or knows of someone who might be, please email, email me at thesexualvoice at the JA Ford Group. I also want to just say, I, I, on the stats, I get uh, a listing of where people are listening. And the cities that listen to me the most While I am quite pleased to say I have a listening audience that is worldwide, the ones from the U.S., uh, New York, I have over 377 listeners in New York City, Racine, Wisconsin, where I'm at, uh, 295. And again, I want to shout out to those folks in Venice, Florida. Uh, You've been consistently great listeners, and I so appreciate that. Would love to hear from you. So, as we get ready to close um, on this kind of difficult topic of consent, I, again, I'm just going to read my last piece again. Consent is a right, and with all rights, it requires responsibility. So, be responsible and require, demand respect from others by knowing and respecting yourself. Healthy sex begins with you, and speaking up takes courage and bravery. I'm urging all of you, it's time to become brave. So thank you for listening today. Please tune in next week to the final show in this series, and you're encouraged, as always, to follow and like me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I want to say goodbye for now. Going to say it again. Remember, healthy sex begins with you. You have a right to expect it and require it. Please join me next Friday, and we'll continue to explore and talk some more.
0: Thank you for joining Jessica and her guests today on The Sexual Voice. Please tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy your sexual self, and please join us here next Friday.